All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in. It is Thursday, March 9th, and this is Daily Faceoff Live, the 105th episode of the year of Daily Faceoff Live. I'm Tyler Yaramchuk, and he is our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how you doing on a beautiful Thursday? I am good. Uh, trade deadline in the rearview mirror. I have a life. And the playoff push is right in front of us. It is exciting. We are streaming live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. And today, we want our Ask DFO inbox question to come from you on the DFO YouTube. So if you have a question for Frank, throw it in the YouTube chat right now, and we'll get to it a little bit later on in the show. But for now, Frank, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And I have a, I have a way I want to do this show. And I want a lot of 1 to 10 ratings from you. And we're going to start topic one, Kirill Kaprizov. He goes down. I mean, for the wild, it should have been a perfect night. You beat a division rival in the Winnipeg Jets. You extend your point streak to 11 games. But in the third period, after a collision, encounter, I don't know how to call it, with Logan Stanley, Kirill Kaprizov. It was an odd play. Kaprizov leaves the game. No update from head coach Dean Evison. Scale of 1 to 10, how concerning is this for the Minnesota Wild? An 11? I mean, <laughs> I, I know I'm breaking the scale right off the hop, and perhaps that shouldn't be the case. But when you look at Kaprizov and his impact on this wild team, it feels like every bit of offense, every bit of juice that comes through this team flows right off of the stick of Kirill Kaprizov. You mm -hmm. see his numbers here, 74 points in 65 games. He's knocking on the door of 40 goals already with still 17 games to play. 
it's not just the creativity and the flow. It's also uh, the energy that he provides. Like he's got legitimate speed on what sometimes can be a bit of a slower team. And, you know, when you, when you think about the wild and their roadmap to success, as you look at how awkward this is, Stanley, yeah. a, an enormous guy at six foot six, basically just topples him, did not look good. But what I'll say is, are the Wild in danger of missing the playoffs without Kirill Kaprizov if he misses time? No. Uh, this 8-0-2 run, the 11-game point streak that you were talking about, um, they've more or less solidified their spot as you look at the standings. But I will say that I have a very hard time creating a roadmap for the Minnesota Wild to get out of the first round of the playoffs without Kirill Kaprizov playing. Maybe we're jumping to conclusions. Maybe not. As Michael Russo reported from The Athletic, uh, he was going to be evaluated today and they would have more information. Nonetheless, a lot of people in the state of hockey who are holding their breath on Thursday morning. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the playoffs. They're 10 points clear of the Calgary Flames. They're 12 points clear of the Nashville Predators. I know there's some games in hand there, but Kaprizov, wildly important. He is without a doubt their MVP. I'd argue he should be a Hart Trophy finalist this year with how much he's meant to that Minnesota Wild team. But you'd like to think that they could survive two, three weeks without Kaprizov, which is why if I was putting this thing on a scale of one to 10, I'd be down lower to maybe a seven and a half or an eight. Maybe it could hurt their seeding. But you're right, Frank. It's hard to imagine this team going anywhere in the playoffs if they don't have 97 in their lineup. He's had a great season so far. We're actually going to talk a little bit more about that in our fourth topic today. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, Frank, those Winnipeg Jets, that was the flip side of the result yesterday as the Jets dropped yet another game and another crucial game in terms of where it could have put them in the standings. And now you look at the West and you go, you're only four points clear of the Calgary Flames. And points percentage-wise, the Nashville Predators are right there behind you. They have four games in hand on the Jets and are only six points back. Is it panic time in Winnipeg? Scale of 1 to 10, what say you? I would say an eight teetering on an eight and a half. And, and certainly part of the issue is, you know, you see a game like last night on one Wednesday evening against the wild. And you're thinking, okay, this jets team, their process is there. They were peppering the wild and, and they were in a spot where they were absolutely buzzing. However, we've seen a much larger trend for the jets that goes back really to January, if, if not early January, then certainly uh, the latter half of January and the end of the month until now. And that's a six-week-plus sample size of saying, hmm, there's some really alarming trends here with this team in terms of the sheer volume of goals that they're giving up. Prior uh, to, to right now, the, the earlier this week, they were on a 10-game run in which they allowed 38 goals against. They're really taxing Connor Hellebuck, who is the backbone of that team. He's played a lot, and he is a workhorse and is used to it, but has been used multiple times in back-to-back -back scenarios, both ends of it. And on top of that, um, they just seem to be a team that's lost a little bit of their confidence. And I don't know what the path for that getting that back is, but I'm not so much concerned about the standings because the Jets are really the only team that can play themselves out of a position. Calgary, I'm not, I've never really been a big believer in Nashville in terms of being a playoff team, but Calgary it just has so much work to do to really get itself back in the mix that I think the Jets kind of need to take a second, take a step back here and, and consider where they are and reboot. I just don't know how you do that, especially with a pretty tough slog coming up ahead. 
Yeah, you mentioned Connor Hellebuck, 22 goals against in his last five starts, below an 870 save percentage in every single one of them. He also got yanked against Edmonton a couple of weeks ago. It's been tough sledding largely because they don't have him between the pipes to rely on the same way they could early in the season. But you mentioned, you know, the ground Calgary has to make up. And I think that's an excellent point because four points doesn't sound like a lot when you just say it. But the deadline just hit. In my head, I kept going, oh, well, there's a lot of time. And then you go, well, there's only 16, 17 games for these teams with the existence of the loser point, with how many bottom feeders there are in the Western Conference that hypothetically should be free spots on the bingo card as well. A four-point gap, Frank, cannot be understated. Yeah, and I agree. And here's what I would say to put a bow on it is the Jets have plenty of runway left right now to figure this out because when they're playing at their best, which we saw for a vast chunk of this year, really until sometime in 2023, they were one of the very best teams in the Western Conference and perched atop the Central Division for a huge chunk of it. So if they were to figure it out, would I be surprised to see a team like Winnipeg you know, go toe to toe and knock off a team like Dallas or Minnesota or someone else in the Pacific division. No, I wouldn't, but they need to figure it out because as currently constituted, I don't see that happening. Let's wrap up the ratings game here and we'll go with maybe a bit more of a rapid fire segment, Frank. I got a whole bunch that I want to throw your way over the next two minutes and 30 seconds, but maybe we could spend a bit of time on Patrick Kane held pointless in his first two games with the Rangers one to 10. How much does that concern you? Um, I would say a seven and a half. And the reason it's so high is because of his comments. When you read Larry Brooks in the New York Post and, and you you see what Kane said about, you know, coming in and, and wanting to defer to the guys that have been there before, that's not something you want to hear. And I think he recognized as he was saying it and, and sort of acknowledged too that that can't be the case. But when you have a player of that magnitude kind of, in new surroundings, new city, new Jersey, new team, new teammates for the first time uh, really in his career, it's that's human nature. It's bound to have that play out. But I would say for Cat Patrick Kane to get back to being the player that we all know him as and the player that he was really just before the trade happened in that seven-game window, he was outstanding. Uh, he needs to take the bull by the horns. And so I think it, the, it reaches that seven-and-a-half level because of what he said. Yeah, and for me, we heard this conversation kind of around the time they were rumored to be acquiring him, but a team was Zabanajad, Kreider, Tarasenko, Panarin. You go down the list of all that talent they have, Frank. Those are guys who like their puck touches. They like being in control of the play. And I just, I look at adding another piece to that. And on one end, you go, whoa, a potential juggernaut when you look at that top nine. But is there maybe now an argument to too many cooks in the kitchen here? I don't think it's an issue long-term, but I think it's an issue short-term and finding the chemistry and figuring it out. Like it shouldn't be that hard. You've got a bunch of players that have really diverse skill sets. Like if you think about the way, you know, it just from a pure archetype perspective, how these players are put together, you know, you sort of got the power forward, you've got the distributor, you've got the shooter and you've got them on different lines. Like theoretically it all should work provided that everyone can find the comfort to get there. It might take some time, but I think ultimately in the end, uh, the Rangers will be better off for it and better off for having started the process with Tarasenko even earlier than Kane. few other ones I want to get your thoughts on. 1 to 10 on the Tampa Bay Lightning. How worried are you about the state of the team? Um, probably in, in that same range, 7.5 to 8. 
I, I typically wouldn't be because they have the ability to flip the switch and they've shown it before that whatever happens in the regular season, you park it and it's go time in the playoffs and they've got that experience. One of the few teams that you can point to and say they can confidently do it. But at the same time, Victor Hedman hasn't looked quite right this year. I know that he's banged up and has been day-to-day, likely to come back to the lineup soon. Even so, his season hasn't been great. Kucherov's been otherworldly. They've got all these pieces, but a lot has to come together, and they're going up against a Leaf team that I think is also better than they were and better than what they faced last year. We're going to talk to Cam Sharon in a couple of minutes here with the number crunch and get his thoughts on some teams in the West. My last sort of ratings game question for you how confident should the Seattle Kraken be in their ability to not just get in the playoffs, but win a round, Frank? Because for me, it feels like every time I'm starting to go, ooh, they're slipping, they rattle off a heater. They've won five in a row right now. One to ten, Kraken ability to win a playoff round. Mm, one or two. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't mind the team. I think they've made incredible strides this year. I think they've also gotten a huge boost from players that have had career years shooting percentage-wise. I think when you look at their their roster, they've been able to score relatively with ease. I don't know that that's going to happen in the playoffs, and I just don't know that they have the star power and depth uh, to really go on any sort of run, and, and the goaltending has been a question mark really since the franchise started. So um, those are some pretty big worries to consider with the Seattle Kraken, and I, I think they're, they're obviously going to hang on to be a playoff team, but what I would say is they probably drop down to one of the wild card spots, and I, I just I don't see a path for them to get to the second round. The seeding race in the Western Conference is going to be very interesting, not just the playoff race. Let's chat about some 50-goal guys. Last year in the NHL, Frank, we had four players hit this mark. Matthews led the way with 60, and then you had uh, Dreisaitl, Kreider, and Alexander Ovechkin right behind him. Kaprizov and Kyle Connor were close, both hitting the 47-goal mark. So far, and you can look at the numbers here from last season and just how close Kyle Connor was, but four last year, Frank. You look at this season, there's actually five that are on pace to do it. Connor McDavid, well, he's already gotten to that number. Pasternak, Randon, Thompson, and Drysaddle are all on pace to hit that number. Below them, though, it's Kaprizov in point. They are right there on pace for 49. Obviously, Kaprizov potentially being out of the lineup could hurt his chances. But how many 50-goal scorers do you think we'll end up with this year in the NHL? If Kaprizov is healthy and plays, I think all seven get there. How about that? Okay. Am I going out Brain on the limb? Point. Brain Point's been one on that list. Like a little surprising for me. You don't exactly view him as the shooter there. His previous career high, granted, was 41 back in 2018. But last year, he had 28. Year before that, 23. I know they were shortened seasons or years where he didn't play in all 82 games. But Point is a surprising one for me. I wonder if he can kick it up a notch in the goal scoring department and get there. What's most fascinating about Braden Point is that that 41 goal season that you're talking about came five years ago, 2018, yeah, 19, crazy. when he hit 92 points. Um, I, I think he's elite of the elite. Um, obviously, his goal scoring this year has ratcheted up to that next level that he's never really been at in his career in terms of production. When he hit 41 before, what's interesting is 20 of those were on the power play that actually led the league in 2018, 19. This year, He's got almost the same number of goals. 16 of them are on the power play, which means that 23 of them have been at even strength. I would say that, um, you know, point, eh, 
I could see Jason Robertson going on a heater too. Like he had an incredible stretch, not just with that point streak, but his ability to score. Um, I, I could see, I could see Robertson getting there and point not to still hit that number seven. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I could, I could see that as well. And for Jack Hughes, I think he's technically on pace for it or close, but again, he's missed games now, so it'll be tough for him to hit that mark. Uh, you talked about power play production. If we go back to the top five, man, Leon Dreisaitl is just on another level when it comes to producing on the power play. He's got 26 goals already, Frank, on, on with the man advantage. That's seven clear of second in the NHL and is now tied with Chris Kreider's mark last year for the most power play goals over a stretch as we watch Alex Ovechkin and you know we always think about him in that one spot right firing one-timers as we watch him go for the all-time goal race is it time is this a hot take Leon Dreisaitl best power play signature spot in the NHL when you look at where he hangs out down by the goal line I don't know I'm not willing to cede the crown yet uh, but I think it's it's certainly worthy of debate and an interesting argument and just to put a bow on this 50 goal scorer topic it's kind of amazing that Bo Horvat is not going to get there, is likely to not get there. He started the year with 31 and 49. Since being traded to the New York Islanders, he has five in his last 14 since coming over. And that's certainly not going to get it done. And I think the Islanders were hoping that he would be the difference maker to try and get that goal scoring going, which certainly has not been the case on Long Island. Just two goals and two assists in his last 10 games out on Long Island. It is not, not going to get you to 50. Yeah, it's not going to get you to 50. Uh, let's kick back into the playoff conversation here and welcome in our friend Cam Sharon. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Cam Sharon with another edition of the Number Crunch. Always a pleasure to welcome you into the show, Cam. Let's talk about this Western Conference playoff picture a little bit. The Calgary Flames, they've won two in a row. Tyler Toffoli saved the day multiple times. They're maybe starting to get back into the conversation. So a two-parter here for you. Do they have what it takes to finish off the job and actually get into a playoff spot? And also take me through a unique way you've laid out the Western Conference standings. So, yeah, the Flames are basically the the epitome of two of one step forward and two steps back. They've won one game only to follow it up with two losses eight times this year. I wasn't able to figure out how many times they've done that relative to other uh, teams in the hunt, but I think that's probably more than anybody. They just seem to go on these little lulls. Whenever they seem to put it together, they just seem to take that step back. And for me, um, yeah, so so the, this way that I've kind of laid out the the playoff picture now, it's it's not like I don't like looking at it at points only because points uh, it doesn't account for games in hand, and also points percentage doesn't give you a very good look at how far back a team is or how many games they need to win. So the way I've laid it out here, you know, with Winnipeg uh, dropping some games, uh, you you mentioned that earlier. So I have Calgary at being five points back of the Jets for that final playoff spot. The Jets are three up on Nashville. And that's basically points above 500. So if you win a game, you pick up a point because you, you know, you're, you're going to average one point per game, uh, or you should at least, uh, if you have any chance, if you have any hope of, of competing. So over, between now and the end of the year, Calgary needs to win, needs to get five more points above 500 than Winnipeg does, uh, and make that six because the Jets hold the tiebreaker right now. And the thing is. You know, the Flames are one of those teams, and we were talked about the, the Avalanche so many times as just being a team that you can see going on that tear. And while the Flames don't have the firepower that the Avs do, the Flames definitely, you know, you look at their roster and you don't see a lot of holes. This is still a team that is that should be very strong and shouldn't be in this position. Uh, one thing, you know, the thing that really bo bothers me about the Flames is just their style of play. They seem to play way too slowly. If you look at... Uh, Corey Schneider's data from uh, from all3zones.com, uh, they're fifth in the NHL in shots off the rush for 60 minutes. The problem is that once they start to get into that in-zone play, they start to play off the cycle, they start to try and generate chances, they actually don't. They're, they're very bad at moving the puck inside the offensive zone once they've set it up. Uh, you know, and I look to a guy like Jonathan Huberto, who's one of the best setup men in the NHL, probably one of the best pure playmakers. He's... Uh, he has this lowest assist rate over the last five seasons. He should be one of the top players in the league. He should be one of the, he should have one of the highest assist rates. There should be way more goals going in in Calgary right now. You know, you can talk to their goaltending. Uh, neither Markstrom nor Daniel Vladar have really shown that they can be the starter and carry the load for a long stretch of time. You know, they, we're to, we talk about uh, uh, Dustin Wolf in in the American League, who uh, with the Wranglers uh, leads the AHL in save percentage. So. You know, they have a lot of questions to figure out, but they're still so close with the fact that Winnipeg has gone on that cold streak and there's not a lot of teams to jump right now. It's only them. Like uh, like Nashville, uh, the, I expect them to fall back having sold at the deadline. So it's really just the Flames against themselves. They need to put some wins together. I think they can do it. But, uh, you know, they, they, like, they have three games left against Anaheim and two left against San Jose, and they really need to take advantage of those ones. So, Kim, let's talk about the Flames and their in-zone play because they use their defense a lot to try and produce offense. They're 20, they average 23 shot attempts from their blue line per 60 minutes, which is fourth in the league. But is that just an indication of getting low percentage shots from distance and not doing a better job of getting the puck to the net? 
Right, and uh, and, and there's, there's two ways of looking at it. One is that, uh, I say it all the time, there's no three-point line in hockey. Uh, broadcasters love to mention points from defensemen, and I couldn't really care less who gets the points if, if the goals are going in the net. The thing that uh, that the t that some teams that that do take a lot of point shots or shots from the outside are very good at, and I look at teams like Carolina and Florida, is they're very good at getting uh, inside and creating rebounds and scoring that way, and that's something that the Flames aren't just frankly aren't doing. Uh, the the Flames are they're they're funneling they're not they're they're taking shots but they're not really funneling pucks towards the net and getting pucks uh, pucks on the stick. They're getting uh, one rebound for every 4.5 shots by a defenseman. That's a very crude way of looking at it, but that's lower than the league average. So they're they're ba they're basically putting the puck towards the general area of the net, not having not having the manpower there to to, to do anything with it. You know, Carolina uh, they lead the league in shots by a defenseman, but you know you look at guys like Brent Burns, they're not necessarily shooting to score. They're shooting to try and uh, create those rebounds and, and create uh, that, that chaos in front of the net. And the Flames just aren't doing that. They need to find a way to, to get the, the pucks on the stick of their shooters in much better areas because they're clearly not doing it from those point shots. We were chatting before you hopped on, Cam, about the Seattle Kraken. We're now more than 60 games into the season. That is a team that not a lot of projections, not a lot of people had pegged to be a playoff team, but here we are. It looks like they're going to get in. Are the Kraken for real? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not as down as them as Frank is, apparently, but uh, I... Uh, having looked at it, like Jared McCann, uh, you know, he's shooting 25%, obviously. That's insane. Um, and and the gap between McCann and and, uh, and Jack Hughes for five-on-five five scoring, uh, that's the same as the difference between Jack Hughes, who's second, and Sebastian Ajo, who's 17th. So I, I, I kind of looked into how the Kraken are, are getting their goals, and it turns out that they're just torching bad teams. They, uh, they lead the NHL in goals four per 60 minutes uh, at five on five against non-playoff teams. And they're, they're average when it comes to, to scoring against the playoff teams. So, you know, that, that was pretty interesting for me, for me to look at um, because their, their offensive numbers are just so much better than, than, you, than you think based on looking at their roster. I think that they have a lot of good things going for them. Uh, clearly, the offense is clicking. Um, and, you know, and they're better than league average, I would say, uh, for sure. And, you know, they're benefit they're going to benefit from playing in that Western Conference. I think if they, you know, if they're able to win the division, then they get a, a, a fairly weak matchup against Winnipeg, maybe, uh, the way things are looking. Or they play Los Angeles, who's a team that I'm also not very sold on. So, you know, there's a path for them to maybe win around. But, yeah, I think that we should probably pump the brakes a little bit on this being this kind of uh, – uh, we should probably pump the brakes on them a little bit. I don't think that 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 just piling up goals against Chicago and Anaheim is really a, a recipe for success in the playoffs because those aren't the teams you're going to see. And uh, I also wanted to add on to uh, to kind of add a coda onto that dry sidle and Ovechkin thing. Uh, Alex Ovechkin hasn't been part of a league average or better power play for about five years now. I think that his shot isn't really doing anything to help Washington win games. The Oilers' power play is just this monstrosity this behemoth that is winning them so many games and has the power to turn a game around instantly i would say that leon dreisaitl from that spot makes his team so much better than alex ovechkin does from his spot cam i'm gonna clip that poster on oilers nation and uh, you'll have <laughs> olive oil country behind you with that take uh, love it cam and love the analysis thanks for doing this we'll chat next week yeah see you guys
Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question and turning our attention to the daily face-off YouTube chat where we went for our inbox question today. Frank, a couple I want to throw your way. This one comes in from Loomis. He says the frig is happening to Vegas's goaltending. I'll flip that a little. Scale of 1 to 10, how worried should the Golden Knights be with their situation between the crease? Another 1 to 10 question? Uh, I'm going to say 9. And, and I, I heard a lot of people saying before, oh, the Kings must be so mad that the Golden Knights got Jonathan Quick. And my thought process is they're probably laughing, saying, wait, this is one of our chief competitors in the league. We have very clearly determined that we think Jonathan Quick is a third goalie in the NHL based on their decision to unceremoniously dump him. That's their thought process, and it's clean cut and simple. So if he now ends up with one of your competitors that you might face in the playoffs, yeah, there could be the revenge motivation factor, but I don't know if that saves you in a seven-game playoff series. And I, I would think that they would think that they're better positioned with Corpus Allo and Copley than they would be with Quick. So I don't think they're mad at all. And so I would say that's a long-winded way of saying that the Golden Knights probably shouldn't feel too great with their crease right now. Prescott910, he's in the chat almost every day. He says, if you had to rank them one through three, which coaching changes are you most impressed with? Boston, Vegas, Dallas. Um, It's hard to go against Boston. I would say Boston. I'd probably keep it in that order. Boston, Vegas, Dallas, actually. Um, <laughs> look, I think anyone in Boston was going to get a bump that wasn't Bruce Cassidy. Uh, I think the players, it's pretty clear, were tired of him and wanted a change. That's why Jake DeBrus rescinds his trade request and Bergeron and Krejci both come back. But at the same time, Bruce Cassidy then goes to Vegas and takes this team that missed the playoffs last year and has dealt with a whole ton of injuries and now has them challenging for the Pacific Division title again. So um, I would say job well done. And obviously Dallas has been pretty consistently at the top of the – uh, Central Division as well for this sort of weird triumvirate that's gone back and forth between DeBoer going from Dallas or Vegas to Dallas and Cassidy going from Boston to Vegas and et cetera. So interesting. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, Bruce, or sorry, Jim Montgomery and the Boston Bruins are going to be taking on the Edmonton Oilers tonight in one of the marquee games around the NHL. It is a busy slate, and I got some bets I want to get to, so let's throw them up, courtesy of our friends at PointsBet Canada. I got two parlays I'm actually rolling with today, Frank, a way to kind of just get some decent odds and hedge myself. The Rangers and the Hurricanes are two teams I am eyeing up tonight. Uh, I also have a shot prop that's coming a little bit later as well, but for the parlay to start, I like the Rangers. The Habs have lost four straight. The Rangers have lost two in a row but I actually like them in kind of a get right spot tonight bouncing back against a bit of a weaker opponent maybe they can get some of that chemistry going with a lot of puck touches a lot of zone time so I'm taking the Rangers in regulation and the Canes in regulation against the Flyers Philly's going against Felix Sandstrom tonight or sorry Philly is starting Felix Sandstrom tonight and I think Carolina with Kachetkov back between the pipes should roll over them. If you play the Rangers and Canes in regulation together, you're going to get that at about plus 120. So I think there's good value there. And my shot prop parlay at plus 115. Ryan Nugent Hopkins of the Edmonton Oilers. That number is set at one and a half. He has crushed this thing in four straight games. He's been above four shots in three straight games. I love the Nuge at one and a half, and I love Morgan Frost actually on the flip side of that Hurricanes-Flyers matchup. He has hit this number in six straight hockey games. Play those two together, 
plus 115, Frank. And those are my two plays for tonight, courtesy of Points Bet Canada. Busy, busy slate tonight. Is there one game you kind of have your eye on, Frank? Not really. I was actually curious as you were talking, did you win your shot prop parlay yesterday? No, because Kirill Kaprizov got hurt halfway through the third uh, period and wasn't able to finish. That's the always job. the risk, right? Is you never yeah, know. know. Like some guy might not finish a game and it just hurts in a parlay because obviously that means you lose the whole thing. Yeah, it uh, it was not a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to wrap up the show with my garbage time rant, Frank, and it is simple as this. Stop complaining. I have seen so many people on Twitter, wherever, bitching about the playoff format in the NHL. And I'm just kind of growing tired of it. I'm hearing a lot of, oh, one versus eight would be better because, oh, then the Leafs wouldn't have to play the Lightning. Okay, if it was one versus eight right now, they'd still be playing each other. And I get that. Oh, they'd have more to play for. Stop it. It's such a lame excuse. It comes off as just fan bases complaining because they don't like their matchup. And I'm hearing a lot of this, oh, in the Eastern Conference, it's such a shame that one of these good teams is going to be out in round one. And I'm like, it's the playoffs. It's supposed to be difficult to win in the playoffs. What do you want them to do? Just like give Columbus a playoff spot so that, oh, there, there you go. The Rangers can have an easy matchup. They don't have to play the Devils. They can play Columbus in round one and everyone can go to round two. It's just the playoffs are supposed to be difficult. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there bitching and complaining because the playoffs might be too difficult for their team. It's growing wildly annoying now that I've been hearing this narrative for like two months. Could not agree more because for the Leafs, before it was the Bruins, now it's the Lightning. And well, that just means it comes back to your team, which is why didn't yeah. you beat the Bruins and why didn't you beat the Lightning? Stop complaining, like you said. And uh, I, just, I could not agree more wholeheartedly than what you just yeah. said. And not just to rag on the East and the Leafs or whatever. In the West, you see oh. it too. It's like, oh, what? You're going to win the division? If the Avs are a wild card team, you got to play them. And it's like, okay. So you might have so to play them So if you don't play them two, in round like, one, you right. You have to play them in round two. What's the difference? Yeah. And, and our guy Jeremiah is in the chat agreeing with me. So I feel uh, redeemed after going off on that rant. Uh, that'll be a wrap on another edition of Daily Faceoff Live for Frank Cervalli, our technical producer, Alex Allard. We'll be back tomorrow, noon Eastern time. Chat with you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.